Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Welcome back to Conversations. Z, we're talking about mass hysteria. When people just go crazy, collectively lose their minds. And it's an interesting topic for me because it's always been there in finance. So you look at finance and you've got these booms and these busts. And people can justify all sorts of crazy behavior before you get to the point where everything collapses. And they can justify it because they look at their neighbors and they look at other people. And there's this massive fear of missing out. So, oh my God, everyone else is retiring by the age of 35. They're making tons of money. I got to get in. I got to be a part of this. I mean, this dates back, I'm sure it goes back thousands of years, but the history that I know, you can look at the tulip bubble in the 1600s, where people were basically liquidating everything they had to buy tulips, and the prices kept on going up and up, until someone realized that these are tulips and who the fuck cares, and everything collapsed and wiped people out. You had something similar, you had the South Sea bubble, where you had all of these expeditions going uh, from from Britain to conquer the rest of the world and take all their shit. And so there was a lot of money to be made. And so people were amped up about that. And you got in situations where companies were raising money without even having anything to offer. So in some cases, they wouldn't even tell people what they were raising money for. They just said, this is a great expedition that's going to make a lot of money. And people would give them their money, and then the promoters would disappear, and you never saw them again. So... I guess you get to the end of this and maybe it's obvious, but in the moment, everyone's caught up in this idea that I got to be a part of this. And even if it doesn't make any sense, it doesn't matter because someone else believes it makes sense. And so I can sell my shares to them. I mean, of course, we saw this in the dot-com collapse. We've seen this in Bitcoin, the whole FTX thing where you had this exchange. You had Sam Bankman-Fried, this weird-looking kid who talked about how he wanted to do everything he could for humanity. And so he talked about how he had a moral obligation to make money because the more money he made, the more good that he could do, the more he could give away. So what does he end up doing? He ends up starting an exchange, and the whole business model is that they take their customers' money and they bet it. (laughs) But people were cool with that. And not only were people cool with that, smart finance people who invested in the company were cool with that. There was actually an article, I think it was Sequoia, who invested in in, uh, FTX, And they had a synopsis of this on their own website. So this was before the collapse, and they were proud of the discussions they had. And they described the situation. They had this meeting with Sam, and he was playing Fortnite the entire time. It was a Zoom meeting. And he's just there, barely paying attention to what they're saying, because he's focused on Fortnite. And everyone's looking at him very seriously, and they said, well, what's your vision? What do you want to do with this company? And he said, well... I want to be able to use it for anything. I want this to be the ultimate payments platform. So you can buy Bitcoin, you can buy stocks, you can buy a banana from FTX if you want. You can pay for anything you want. And he's making this up because he's sitting there with his control playing Fortnite. But he put out this grand vision and the partners went crazy. They're like, all right, great, great. We're all in. We're going to give you a bunch of money. Of course, the whole thing collapsed. So you got this mass delusion that you see in finance. And it's interesting because... I think there are a couple of interesting things about finance. Number one is that you got the greed factor. So FOMO is a big deal, and people want to make money, so you become susceptible. You end up 
believing what you want to hear anyway. So it preys a bit on our natural need to feel like there's an easy way to, to make a lot of money. And the other aspect about it is that it's not real in the sense that you can't compare what people are saying to what is actually going on. I mean, a lot of what you talk about in finance is what's going to happen in the future. So you take a tech company, it's going to be the next biggest thing. It's going to be worth a trillion dollars. I like that WeWork example. Sure. And yeah, you know, maybe it sounds a little bit off, but you're also talking about the future. So you can't directly compare the future to what's happening now. And since you don't have this direct reference point, it becomes easy to manipulate people. Now, what's happened more recently, Z, which we've been talking about, is mass delusion creeping across our entire conversation. And it's not just happening in finance, it's happening across our culture. And it's also happening in the present. So we're losing our ability to discern what is real in the here and now. Uh, you were showing me some videos. You got these Instagram dancers that you follow who are three or yeah, yeah, who you're fascinated by. You can't, maybe it's some horrific fascination. It's just so horrible. You can't take your eyes off of it, but it's these huge women and they're three or 400 pounds and they're dancing and looking like they're having the time of their lives. Actually, they don't, but I think that's what the meme is supposed to be. And we're all supposed to celebrate them and talk about how great it is and how it's good to accept yourself and be body positive, which is ridiculous because when you're that overweight, you're completely unhealthy. You're not going to live a long time. You can't make good decisions. You can't just function as a normal human being. So we've taken a sickness and we've normalized that. But now everyone else has to respond to it and we have to debate it. And the more you debate it, the more you're sucked into it. And you probably get to a point where you're like, you know what, fuck it. It's too hard to have this conversation. My head hurts. I'm just thinking about this, so I'm just going to go along with it. Or at the very least, I'm not going to voice an opinion. Uh, there was an article that we were talking about that math is racist. Math is racist. So once you put that out in the domain of public discourse, it's like, where do you even start with that? How do you even respond to it? It's just such a nonsensical idea. But you get wrapped up in a debate and again, you go through this and you're like, you know what? You start questioning your own reality because to believe some of the ideas that are put out there, you have to be insane. So you step away from sanity to insanity just to be part of this public debate. And it feels like a lot of what is going on today, we're moving into that mass hysteria phase where people are just buying into things that make absolutely no sense. Uh, we had another example recently in Southern California with this big storm. It wasn't even a big storm, but it was billed as a hurricane that came through Southern California. And there were predictions that the devastation was going to be catastrophic and that you better prepare, you better hunker down. It was basically a rain shower. You and I were actually out while this thing happened. It was no big deal. Uh, but you had people on the beach who were filling up bags of sand. So I think the question is, what has happened to us? I mean, of course, we've got the propensity to get caught up in mass hysteria. That's always been there. We've given the finance examples. There are other examples of mass delusions. I think you mentioned one, how you can convince a room of people that they're all being bitten by insects, even if there aren't insects there. You got one person who starts scratching, and then everyone else feels like something is going on. So that condition is always there, but it feels like it's gotten out of control. And we're buying into things that just don't make any sense and that are not consistent with data. It's not consistent with our day-to-day -day experience. It's not consistent with some very basic premises about how the world works. So that's the conversation for today, mass hysteria, 
And then maybe as we get into the sea, we can talk a little bit about how do we extract ourselves from this. Uh, so we're not part of this craziness. Sure, that's our whole thing with this um, Dispassion Observer um, podcast with all the things we're trying to do with Dharma Media. Is I just want people to, th I want us who are striving to be healthier, more enlightened, to think for ourselves in a time where thinking is scarce. Independent thought is very scarce. And I'm not talking about simpletons or regular, your average dullard. I'm talking about very intelligent, intelligent and scholarly people are losing the ability to reason. And one of the observations I've made is that there are mechanisms in our brain that deals with executive function, deductive reasoning, um, using long-term, short-term, and situation to create situational memories, like what's, what will happen if I do this or that, which we call reasoning. And those mechanisms in the brain require a tremendous amount of energy. As you know, the brain uses one-fourth to one-third of our caloric energy in a day. And I've, I'm kind of thinking that if we know this and the food is bad, the water is bad, we feel with GMOs and our body's immune system is working overtime to deal with the things we're taking in. Maybe we have a fatigue of reasoning, that that mechanism of our brain is just tired. Yeah, it's clear. Isn't, that is something though, decision fatigue, right? Yeah, reasoning that's, fatigue, yeah. Uh, they, that's one of the tactics that all of the really productive people promote is that that's why even though a fashion mogul is working on all these beautiful different mm -hmm. uh, wardrobes, they only wear the same thing every day because it's one less decision to well, make. Well, yeah, and, and, and that, that's right. That's right. So if you are a great athlete, you want to sequester yourself. When Muhammad Ali would go and fight, and he wanted to uh, deal with a particular difficult opponent, and he'd have to develop new strategies, he would go up to a cabin in the Catskills with no running water and outdoor toilet and so he could just completely focus all of his energy on remaking himself to adapt to his opponent so there is something that 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 we want to be mindful of is reasoning fatigue that's why you don't engage everybody in arguments and conversations because if you hit the reasoning fatigue that mechanism break down breaks down in your body it breaks down in your mind so you are now in a state of compromised mental function. So a lot of this stuff that is bombarding you on the Instagram and Facebook and X and Twitter and all these other things, it's so much mumbo-jumbo that it just breaks you down till you surrender. An older method of that is what the police would use or interrogators would use to get false confessions from people. They would physically fatigue the person and constantly tell them what they had done. You murdered that person. You robbed that bank. You did this, and eventually, after anywhere from 12 to 48 hours of doing this, a person will just say, I must have done it. I, I have no other thoughts in my mind, and I don't have the energy to protest or to find and access that memory. So that's how you do false confessions. 
right? And you always wonder, why would you confess to something you do? There's actually a technique that one uses to fatigue the brain, the reasoning mechanism of the brain, so that they can then implant a completely different reality where years later, when the fatigue has subsided and the memory starts to clear up, they say, you know, I didn't even do that. Why am I sitting in Sing Sing or whatever, right? I didn't do that. And then they go back over and they, and they end up, that's what the Innocence Project is all about. And we always ask, why would you confess to something you didn't do? Because there is an actual methodology to creating fatigue. Just like you can overwork an athlete until they're not strong enough to do their sport, right? You peak them. If you push a person beyond their peak, they start to decline. That's why they call it the peak. This is the peak of your performance. If you do more, if I push you more, you will do less. You can't do it anymore. So we're now hitting a collective level of reasoning fatigue because we're getting hit with so much stuff that is so absurd, so ridiculous, so bizarre that you just stop reasoning. I'd like to challenge all of us to think about can you remember when you made that false confession? Can you remember the day before you made that? When did you get so tired of the noise and the nonsense? When did they, did they keep adding alphabets to people's identities to the point where you start accepting the first L and B or whatever it is until now you're accepting the map and the I and it's, it's just gotten, you just can't do it anymore. You ever cram for uh, a final in college when you just cram. And you know, you never do as good when you're relaxed and you're learning. The cramming doesn't help you, right? Steady consistency helped you, but cramming actually kind of put you at a point where you were just guessing, right? I don't know if you heard that experience. I remember in engineering school in college, you would cram, you wouldn't do your homework or you'd have finals, and you would just cram. And then you would be all mumbo-jumbled. You'd answer questions to tests you weren't taking. So that's where I, I think we now look at, we have this collective insanity where the word salading a thing, words don't mean anything anymore. Like you're so burnt out, you can just accept things that you normally would not even engage. And the, 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 the best antidote or the best perimeter to establish against that is don't engage things that are really ridiculous when you see things. I was showing you guys these grotesquely obese people who are running around in thong bikinis and they're looking at the reactions of others. And I've noticed that there's less and less reaction. The fatigue is set in. Then there are these different people bragging about their sex lives. They're three, 400 pounds. They're bragging about that one that just says she can get anybody's man. No, you can't. Because there's something called natural selection, natural desirability. Human beings, when they're healthy, when that animal is healthy, let's take our common horse or house pet. You know, if they see an animal with a limp or an infected animal, they won't breed with that animal. You know that if you anybody knows animal husbandry, animals won't breed with a sick animal. Humans have an intellect that can override natural impulses, 
and natural boundaries. Humans can go golfing in a lightning storm. We can do that. We can go um, whitewater rafting, right? Humans can jump off of cliffs uh, and, and trust some bungee cord operator, right? Humans can get on a water slide made of fiberglass with the fiberglass fatigue to the point where you get fiberglass shards rammed into your ass while you're sliding down a water slide. Uh, the average animal won't, do any, won't behave that way. It has a strong sense of the prime directive, survive, reproduce, improve the species. So the way it really works when we are clear is that when you see a person that is mentally ill, physically ill, diseased, unfit, that you are repulsed by that automatically. It's not a prejudice. It's not a bias. It's a natural repulsion. It is natural to be repulsed by having sex with your sister or brother. There's a natural repulsion that can over, only be overridden by intellectual interruption, right? That's why people crave people different than themselves. That's why we have so many laws and, 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 and legends about how not to get with these other people because it will take our resources. But your natural attraction is to somebody that is not like your mother and father to breed with, but you're attracted to them for a sense of security and safety, right? So you have to introduce religion and things like that to brainwash people, to force them to be with a relative. You see what I'm saying? So for the sake of group resources, right? So we've always done that, but now we have supercharged it with the internet. And so now you see more and more diseased, malignant, unhealthy, um, corrupted beings interacting and engaging one another. When you're sick, that impulse goes away. The last thing you want to do when you're sick is breed. Have you ever been really sick? Something's going on. You got a disease. You got something you're going through. You're not trying to breed with anybody. Breeding is a happy thing. It's a vibrant thing, right? Yet, if we have reasoning fatigue, we become um, immune to natural influence. And if you are immune to nature, you cannot be healthy. Nature, the, that that perpetuates our existence. So as I start to look around and we see that we just have reasoning fatigue, which once we can't reason, that is when we are now available for insanity. That's when we're crazy. And if enough of us are together and we're crazy, it's collective craziness. It's, it's, it's like what we're talking about. Then there's been experiments where they tell people there's a bug infestation. Or you watch a horror movie. You ever watch a horror movie and something scary comes on and you can feel it? Oh, that's a fatigue of reasoning. The horror movies got you all worked up. Um, hell, they had the movie Jaws way back in the day and people didn't go in the water all summer. They thought they were seeing sharks everywhere. And if you look back at Jaws, it was like, ugh. That's the goofiest movie I've ever seen. They had a movie called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre where people were actually 
uh, they had to call ambulances at the movie theater. I was there. We, we went, and you would people would go in to have seizures watching uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I know for a fact. I watched it ten times. Every time I went, somebody was running out of the theater. We got a kick out of that as a kid. So there's a way to create reasoning fatigue. As I said, uh, false confessions, a number of other things. You can no longer, that part of the brain is tired. It's worn out. It's overheated. So as we get hit with more of this, as you're cruising through the, the uh, different postings on, on these different uh, internet mediums, and you see absurdity so much that it's not absurd anymore. You hear stuff every day, like here we had the hurricane, as, as you were speaking about then. But you did, it overrode your reasoning, where if you looked outside, nothing was going on. It was absolutely, we, like I said, we were out. People were digging up sand, and it was the weirdest thing when I watched the people digging up and getting sandbags. These are not people that normally use shovels or done anything, so you could see how awkward it was for them. But the looks on their face were completely divorced from reality. They had an expressionless face as if they all had some rare form of autism or, 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 or some Williams syndrome or something where there was no facial expression at all. They were just digging and filling bags with sand. Like what's, what's those movies, Caitlin, where they had the people and they're just mummified and, or not mummified, but they're just kind of not quite zombies yet, but they're just, there's just a blank look on their face as if they've been programmed or their brain has been shut down. And I laughed, oh, you're getting ready for the hurricane, ha ha ha. And they just looked at me like I was the enemy of the state. There were lines, you said, at Costco, lines at Home Depot. Home Depot ran out of plywood. Home Depot ran out of plywood. Costco opened early. So I'm saying, don't you know Costco and Home Depot plan that? And then the government of California announced that gas prices had to go up 25 cents a gallon to prepare for the hurricane. The hurricane was a 2.9 earthquake in California. Vin, you've been here all your life. I've been here long enough for 2.9. Yeah, I mean, that's like a truck rolling by. Yeah. Although I do think it was about a five, which isn't that big, but it was a little more than a but That doesn't count in California. But they did first say it was a 6.1, and then they downgraded it to a five. And then they downgraded it to a two. I, I, I don't know. Check it, Caitlin. I don't, I felt nothing. Yeah, yeah I didn't feel anything. In California, we don't care, it, we don't care about earthquakes. Mm-hmm. We don't care about earthquakes, okay? Nobody who lives in California, grew up in California, cares about earthquakes or they wouldn't live in California after a quake. I lived through the 71, the 89, when was the last one? The, the 94. 94. Still yeah. in California. California. Earthquakes to California is like rain to Seattle. Okay? And then they hijacked it and called it a hurricane. It's going to be a hurricane. What would they downgrade it to, Caitlin? To a five. I mean, I, I didn't feel it. I saw the news. Nobody felt it, Caitlin. That's my point. Only the news felt it. 
You didn't, did you feel it, Ben? I didn't feel it. Okay, I didn't feel it. It happened. Do you know anybody that oh. felt it? Uh, just to say, just just mm -hmm. us. That's just a small group sampling. Did anybody feel the earthquake? Can you open the door for just a minute? Right here. Uh, pretty Tony. Did you feel the earthquake? Barely. Yes or no? <laughs> yes, but barely. I, I, I was, was it the earthquake or a UPS truck? <laughs> I, you know what it was? I saw, I was, I was at Caitlin's and I could see the, the, whatever her hanging plants and stuff swaying. Have you seen the sway before? <laughs> yeah. And there was no quake. Okay, if, that's, that's my if, point. If they, if they didn't give me a notification, I probably wouldn't have So no, the answer is no. <laughs> there you go, there you go. And that's pretty Tony, he's the most honest guy in the world. Um, we can poll a number of people. There was nothing happened. Nothing happened. So we have been all told there's a locust infestation. We're scratching our crotch, reaching in our ears for locusts. There are no locusts. So as we're trying to opt out of this, we, we want to do different tests to kind of rehome ourselves so that we stay in reality. It takes less energy to be in reality. We don't want to burn out that part of the brain because when you burn out the, um, the reasoning module of your brain, then you're open to all manners of influencing and, 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 and mental corruption because there's no filter. That's your filter. Then we start to normalize bizarre behavior, bizarre action, um, and all these things that are going on that there's no way to reason them. There's no way that it works. There's no way for it to fit. But because that filter's gone, everything is okay. You follow know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because you're talking about all this and the fatigue. For some reason, I keep on coming back to J.K. Rowling. I feel really bad for J.K. Rowling. Mm -hmm. J.K. Rowling wrote the Harry Potter series. This total rags-to-riches story. I mean, she had nothing. Amazing story. Yeah, yeah. So she wrote the book. No one was interested. She got this thing published somehow. Global phenomenon becomes a billionaire. I mean, it just the impact she's had has been amazing. If you read her books, just based on how she writes, she seems pretty culturally sensitive. You read her comments. I've never read... I mean, it's weird to me that anyone would pick on J.K. Rowling for being insensitive. What did it, she it's do? Like, it's like picking on Caitlin. What did she do? So she came out and she said that only women can have babies. Okay. okay. Is that a lie? So... She got this whole firestorm, and the entire trans community was up in arms, and they called her a bigot and a turf. Do you know what a turf is? I have no idea. You don't know what a turf is? And that's um, what you run on in a football yeah. field? Uh, no, no, this is a T-E-R-F. You know, I'm forgetting what the T stands for, but the R-F is radical feminist. I'm forgetting the acronym, but uh, they called her a turf, which is like as bad as a racial slur. And th then she came out and she put out this entire essay explaining her words or her point of view in like very measured terms, very logical, very systematic. And then she was ripped apart again. And then you had like serious news outlets who were bringing on people to express the other side and legitimizing the opposing the point of view. Of what? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, but, but, Just but my this brain is what I'm right at. now, the middle of my head, 
<laughs> feels like you have a dental drill going yeah. in the middle of my head. I can't get past the fact that she said that what she said was wrong was that women have babies. Yeah, yeah only women have babies. <laughs> you see, this is what I'm saying, people. Not just this topic, but this is one of those kind of milestone topics. One of these key topics that you see the, the decline of reasoning. Yeah, well, I guess what I'm getting at, because I feel the way you do, I'm imagining poor J.K. Rowling sitting there at some point, I'd just be like, fuck it, I give up. I mean, I, I, there's no take point, your, there's no point to expressing this point of view. There's no point trying to rationalize, trying to explain. It's just too much effort. And then you think about the aspects of our society. It's interesting you brought up that point about the police confessions and the techniques. We've gotten to that point anyway, organically. You know, maybe there hasn't been conscious thought. Mm -hmm. But do you think about cancel culture? Mm -hmm. You can lose your job. Mm -hmm. You can have people who are threatening you, mm -hmm. uh, who are slandering you online, who don't even know you, who know nothing about you. Mm -hmm. Who wants to put up with that? Mm -hmm. Then we're in this culture of sound bites, so you can give a very well-reasoned argument, and someone will just shout something out. But what about this? But don't you care about the poor? Just some broad statement that has nothing to do with anything that you've discussed, but you're being shouted down and people are hanging on to no, it, the it, other it, side it's because like it's the, easy. It's like a water torture, an endless drip. In the military, we had certain techniques that were frowned upon uh, by different human rights organizations. They had a, a, a way that you could keep a person in a lit room all night. And every time they would doze off, you would splash them with hot or cold water, or there was a dripping sound mm -hmm. that had asymmetric dripping. So what they found with dripping, if something drips rhythmically, you can, you can actually overcome it and fall asleep. But if it's asymmetrical, if it doesn't have a set rhythm, it just irritates you. So let's say you have so many drips a minute, you have 30 drips a minute. You, you will adapt to that. But if I change and do 30 drips one minute and 60 the next and 15 the next, your brain is constantly on alert and you can't rest. And then you get um, sleep deprivation, hallucinations. Then you add that with discomforts, various types of discomfort. Maybe let roaches run around the room or rats run around the room, something like that. And, and, and the person is in these hallucinations, they will do anything just for a rest, just for a moment of rest. That's exactly where we're at now. Mm. And you hear this, this endless madness and people getting in arguments and discussion about things that aren't arguable. There are certain things, the sun is hot, water is wet. These are not things we can debate. Yeah. Well, they're also things that are hard to prove. For example, if you said the sky is blue, let's say someone wanted to debate you about that. How would you prove it? I mean, there's certain things. I wouldn't things. debate them. I'm just yeah. saying what I would do is you would take and say, look, the sun is hot. I'm going to put a magnifying glass with the sun on it in your eye or your face. And you can argue whether it's going to burn or not. Mm. But it's a fool's argument. 
You stick a person's head underwater, water's wet, air is not. When you want to come up for air. I mean, I'm being really hard about this because I can get a the 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 skeletal dummy right here I have, right? The spine dummy. And I can show you the difference between a woman's hip bone and a man's hip bone. Mm. There's nothing to debate. When you look at the pubis synthesis of a man and the pubis synthesis of a woman, it's completely different. My uh, six-year-old who has ACC can tell that he will point out which is a male and female. But we've word saladed things to the point where nothing means anything. It's just like the term woke now is a new term for nigger. It's a new way of saying nigger because they call nigger the N-word, which to me makes it even worse. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. That's even worse. Mm -hmm. Right? Oh, you N-word. Okay, this is really bad. So, so the new N-word, the new nigger way of saying nigger is woke. Right? So we, reasoning is part of the ability to be honest. Honest doesn't mean the truth. It means your known reality because it leaves it open for you to know more. The truth is something we pursue, even in science. The scientific truth means we've gone as far as we can go with what we know. Now, if you present something else, we can extend that. We know more, right? We know more of what is on the path of truth. Math cannot be racist. What that does is diminish what racism really is. That's what you're doing. See, it, see, it's a trichnology, we used to call it. Word salad, trichnology. Math actually comes from Africa. The Egyptians, who were African, even though they don't like saying that now, they got the hairs, they, they weren't some other group. The ancient Egyptians were these Sudanese-looking people. They created math, sciences, and all that as far as we know. If not, it was the Dravidians of India. They created math. If not, it was the Persians who were another kind of uh, sand in word that created that. It wasn't racist. Uh, racist is real simple. It's a contemporary thing. It's a, it's a modern construct where there is one group that has a perceived superiority over all other groups, and they leverage that superiority to affect the lives adversely of other people. There it is, simple, simple as that. So people that don't have power can't be racist. They can be prejudiced, they can be all those things, but they cannot be racist because they have no power. Mm. They have no power. I could run around all day and say I hate Whitey, but not one white person will lose their job other than Caitlin if I hate Whitey. Okay? Then she throws in the Native American card and disrupts all that shit. Yeah. She becomes one of us, and then she becomes black by injection because of her boyfriend. So we, we can't even use that anymore. So I have no power. My point being is that I want to get back into this reasoning fatigue. And that is why, again, having a measured way of dealing with these topics of the day, not getting in arguments and discussions of inconsequential topics, using real clear, as we talked about last episode, weights and measures 
to look at life. That's it. We don't need the fatigue. We don't need the burnout. Not only will that burnout take away the reasoning mechanism of the brain, the executive function, the executive function also regulates your, uh, your biological necessities, heart rate, uh, kidney function, uh, endocrine function. All those things go haywire. Thus, we're seeing the epidemic of weird diseases. We're seeing an epidemic of this acceptance of, of just gross obesity and illness of all kinds. Uh, we're seeing uh, all forms of body dysmorphia, right? Um, that part of the brain withdraws us from the concept of shame, right? There are certain things you should be ashamed of. If you don't keep your word to people that trust you, you should be ashamed of yourself. If you damage your health and take no responsibility, you should be ashamed of yourself. If you emotionally do not make adjustments to your behavior and you become a burden and other people have to adjust to you, you should be ashamed of yourself. So in order to be ashamed of yourself, you have to have your logic and reasoning in place. When you become ashamed, you do not produce endocrine chemicals that make you feel good. And we want to feel good. You don't get dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin uptake if you feel ashamed. You feel very sick. You feel depressed. And feeling that way motivates you not to feel that way. So it's motivation to do better, right? It gives you that boost, right, that you need. The fear of getting eaten by a wild animal motivates you to exercise. Getting away from that wild animal gives you a rush of dopamine and you feel great. You understand? Not getting away from that animal and feeling the pain of your flesh being ripped from your body and the humiliation of being food for maggots is shameful and it doesn't feel good. So you don't want to feel that way. But if the brain is corrupted, you don't feel anything. You're just numb. You have the blank look like those people digging for sand during the earthquake. It's just no character. Blank stare into the abyss, digging sand. Well, uh, you know, Joan led class on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. and she brought up an interesting article about how how no one, they did this study and I don't, we, she even admitted, she's like, I don't know how they tested this and mm -hmm. how they came to the outcome. And, but the 50% of people don't have an inner dialogue. That's sad. Out of, well, like, this, is, this is some biblical stuff. Yeah. That's, she, you're a zombie, you're dead. You're so dead inside. She was like, the class, the rest of the class that day was working, or just observing what our inner dialogue is, right? As we do the form. Wow. And so she, at the end, she was like, how many of you needed to call out the movements and, or what, you know, it was interesting. 50% of people yeah. have nothing in their head. Right, or they don't like talk to themselves. That's scary. Or you know, mm. That's good. This is some biblical, this is some Mahabharata stuff. This is some Kali Yuga. Yeah, but it gets back to what you're saying about the fatigue. 
Because honestly, that sounds blissful. Like you just don't have to think about all this nonsense that's going on. Yeah, if that's all you have. I think about other stuff when I'm at peace, you know, or just enjoying nature or being there. And just it's like a poem goes on in my head. When I'm in a blissful state, there's poetry going through my head, right? Like stupid poems about just the fresh air or whatever, like really ridiculous stuff you would never repeat, right? It's just like you came from a big gunfight or something like that, and you're just cruising home and it's quiet. Like, yeah, it feels good, you know? Mm. Yeah, you have a nice dialogue going on. Or you've been sailing or something, right? And then you had those songs. Yeah, Easy like Sunday morning. That's the kind of dialogue goes in my head when I feel good. But when people have nothing, it is that they're just worn out. They're just burnt out. And so then on that blank slate, you can imprint anything. And now we have AI that's imprinting on us, right, all the time. All this stuff is being imprinted in that blank mind, in that empty mind. You have no opinion of your own. You have no understanding of your own. You have no views of your own. I was talking to somebody about politics, and, and I always tell people to be very careful about the whole Democrat and Republican narrative. All of them are sociopaths and psychopaths. All the cities are crumbling under the weight of these different politicians. Parts of the Bay Area, where I grew up in Northern California, it's unlivable now. Everybody's told me it's unlivable. They are naming streets now behind the crimes committed on the streets. They're nicknaming areas of town based on how you would get killed or robbed. Right? All the larger stores are pulling out. They have these mass robberies going on, which as much as people criticize them, we need to look at the mass corporate robberies of people. That they do it in a very sophisticated way that seems acceptable. Uh, again, during the hurricane scare, they arbitrarily raised gas prices 25 cents a gallon. I want to know what that 25 cents was for. How would that help us through the hurricane? And now that the hurricane didn't happen, would they drop the 25 cents that was necessary for the hurricane? But because we collectively as a society are just burnt out with blank stares in our face, with what you say, no inner dialogue. We just just go along with whatever. Just like the Wally movie, just like the zombie movie. Those are my thoughts, but in finishing on my end, we need to and can benefit from meditation, resting our own mind, and a complete withdrawal from those things that are fatiguing us. So that when we encounter this word salading and bizarro things that are going on, we know right away that we want to avoid that, stay away from that and not engage. It's just like if anyone has little kids. You know, little kids naturally don't like clowns. Have you ever noticed that? Little kids naturally don't like clowns. Any grown-up masking their face and dancing around kids. My kids were terrified of clowns, all my kids. I don't like clowns. I don't like anything like that. And you have to train a person to shut down their natural instincts. Dogs attack clowns. You know that, right? The dog innately will attack a clown because that's not right. There's something wrong with that. It hits the uncanny valley. Boom. There you go.
So we need to maintain that part of us that hates clowns. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're going to get everyone beating down clowns. That's we'll healthy, get some lawsuits. That is actually a healthy response. Mm. A disguised grown man wishing to keep the company of, un, of unsupervised children. Yeah. Does that, it, was does it John Wayne Gacy who dressed up as a clown? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It is creepy. Think about it. Mm. I mean, think about it. Why would a grown man. Yeah, pretend to be, be happy all the time. Want to be around children unsupervised. Mm. Hmm. I wonder what his intentions might be. And disguised. Mm. Hmm. Kids get it. So we need to go back to that. These clowns on the internet, these clowns in politics, these clowns. Yeah, a lot of it is a strategy. Mm -hmm. It's a well thought out strategy. You yeah. keep people riled up, you keep them pissed off, then they listen to you, and they're not focused on society as we're talking about crumbling with the inflation, the crime, the polarization. That's right. The geopolitical conflict, the stress. I mean, just basic things. You know, I, I was reading in the newspaper the other day about how the number of near misses with airlines is increasing because you've got a shortage of air traffic controllers and you don't have enough funding. And it's kind of like the wheels are coming off wherever you look. It's a race between more automation and AI and humans' air traffic controllers. And when AI goes goes uh, sentient, it's going to kill off humans anyway. It's a good way to do it, so be aware of that. Um, there are those things, man. I, I just hear what you're saying. and I just really think that opt-outs, we, we always benefit from just stepping back, taking a few steps back and clear our minds. And then when we hear a lot of this political nonsense, you know, they, the IMF is sanctioning Uganda for not promoting LGBTQ rights. And people, uh, don't get involved in this. The Africa needs to separate itself from the IMF. The IMF needs Africa more than Africa needs the IMF. Uh, it's fertile. It's, it's, it's full of resources. So it's, it's incentivizing the government to uh, have more character and less corruption and, and, and more forward thinking. I think it's a good thing. But for the people who want to jump on the bandwagon and say, oh, poor, you know, horrible Uganda, uh, Saudi, the Emirates, the Kuwaitis, Indonesians, Malaysians, Qataris, I can name it all day, that have death penalty for LGBTQ people. Death penalty. They're not mentioning any of that. They don't mention any of that. This is the hypocrisy. But because we can't think, we just, we just pile on. Yeah. So I'm done. Close this out, man. Yeah, I'll just build on what you're saying. I think the more of this we can avoid, avoiding the pointless debates... And maybe it's a, a nice cycle that we get into mm -hmm. because you avoid the pointless debates. It clears up your mind. You get out of that fatigue state, which allows you to see things more clearly, which means that you can avoid more of the pointless debates. And you can get to that nice poetry stage that you're talking about. Yeah. Where you're walking around feeling good on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Easy like Sunday morning. That's it. That is it. See you next time. If you enjoyed the show, Please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, 
or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.